You're listening to the NYY Sports Talk podcast hosted by Christian and Chris. Head to nyysportstalk.com to subscribe to the show and check out the fan shop so you can swag up on great NYYST apparel. Stay on top of all the latest with the New York Yankees, including breaking news, in-game updates, and incredible fan giveaways by following on Twitter at NYY Sports Talk. It's now time to talk Yankees baseball. Welcome back. This is episode 43 of the NYY Sports Talk podcast presented by BrandonRendiniFitness.com. I'm your host, Christian. Find me on Twitter at Christian underscore NYYST. As always, joined by my co-host, Chris. Yeah. And Stat Guy Rye. What's going on, Christian? Here we are, fellas. Episode 43. Uh, last time we sat down to record a pod was Saturday afternoon, and the Yankees just continue doing what they're doing. They are now up to, uh, what is it, eight straight wins at Crazy, man. It's a little bit after 6 o'clock before they're getting ready to uh, play Game 3 of their uh, set with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, I we've, We're going to be at a loss for words a lot of the time recording this because what else can you possibly say about the level of baseball and the type of games that this team has been playing? Maybe the- they'll just keep winning nine in a row and then they'll lose one and then they'll win nine in a row again and then they'll lose one. I could deal with that. Uh, yeah, that would be nice, right? <laughs> you know what I was thinking? This team right now is obviously as hot as it's going to get. And I'm not saying they can't sustain um, this type of play all year. They're obviously not going to keep doing what they're doing, but they're not going to lose many series. They shouldn't. They've they've proven to us that they are a superior team in this, in this league right now. But what... What could you expect from this team when they do come back down to earth? I mean, do you ever see this team winning three, uh, losing three or four games in a row? I'm sure it'll happen at some point. You this do. Year. You, you still think that that will happen at some point? Every every great team, even the '98 Yankees, suffered through a three game losing streak. So yeah, I'm sure at some point the bats will get cold and the pitching won't carry them as much as it has, and they'll drop three in a row. But over an extended sample size of say 10 15 games you hope that they didn't play five and ten baseball they're still seven and eight or eight and seven through that stretch that when they have their bad stretches that they're still playing close to 500 baseball and you know what this does for a team and we talked about it previously how last year the yankees starting at 21 and 9 really carried them through the season and and really took them into the playoffs because they did get cold for a while. They did play under 500 baseball for a little while, but that, that streak, that hotness carried them throughout the whole year. What they're doing now, if they can continue to build on this, think about what it's going to do down the road when they do get cold, when they do cool off for a little and play 500 baseball over a significant amount of time. There's 16 games over 500 right now. And you talked about it last week that, you want to keep building on how many games over 500 you are. And that's exactly what this team did. I think when you said it, they were what, 10 games over? And you said you'd like to see them get to 15 games over without falling a tick behind. And now they're 16 games over 500. And I think another thing too, if you looked at the schedule before the year started and you broke it down by each month, it'd be hard to argue that May wasn't the hardest month on the schedule for the Yankees. 
and they're totally mowing through playoff caliber teams. Dude. I heard that ESPN did some type of um, report, and I don't know how credible ESPN is at this point, but they did some type of algorithm or something. Are you that saying they're hashtag fake news? Kind of. Uh, I think they they grasp at straws at times, but I think they did something where where it showed that the Yankees thus far have had the toughest schedule in baseball. Uh, yeah, them and the Cubs. That's crazy. And if you look at their schedule, how can you? I mean, even though you want to say they might not be as credible as maybe they once were, but if you look at the teams they played, how could you argue that? And you know what's crazy to me? I I know the Indians are a good team, and we said it before. They're going to win this division by default. They haven't. But, have they won since? Because I saw the record last night. They were at 500. So have they won? I don't think so. They they lost their next couple games after they left I the Bronx? I think so. Uh, and the, they and, won last night 6-2. Okay. And, and the Astros have really haven't been playing good either after the Yankees came to town. So. Garrett Cole only had nine strikeouts oh, last okay. night. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you think about it and... The Indians, of course, are going to win by default, as we said, but they don't really scare me like they did last year. They really don't. I I, I don't fear the Cleveland Indians in the postseason this year. I don't think you should make a statement like that. I shouldn't because they weren't that great last year until they went on that 22-game so winning them, streak. You're seeing them off of a low point. That's why you're making that statement. They also didn't have Andrew Miller in that series. Yeah, I think he's coming back tonight, by the but way. But still, Miller. I just don't see the potential in that team that I did last year. If the Yankees – I mean, if um, Indians had Andrew Miller, I don't think the Yankees win on Sunday. Yeah, maybe not. Because – we just talked about it before we came on the air here. You've seen a lot of desperation out of oppo- opposing managers. Yes, in this in this stretch with the Yankees here. Let's jump into Sunday's game real quick. Clevenger's pitching a, a great game. Oh, phenomenal! Right? He let's before we get into that. Domingo Herman makes his first major league start. Six no hit innings. Yep. So you could not. You literally could not ask the guy to do anything more that. Then he did already, but right. then you you know we got complainers out there. Mm-hmm. Why did Boone pull him? The dude, what did he throw? 80, 84 pitches? He probably threw more than the Yankees wanted him to. He did because Boone said they wanted to keep him around seventy five. He went six innings, two walks, nine strikeouts on eighty four pitches. All right, wow. and he threw about sixty when he relieved Montgomery, right? Somewhere right. around there. Mm-hmm. So the general rule of thumb is when a guy's not stretched out, he only goes twenty five pitches more in his next right. outing, right? Mm-hmm. So. You really think that the Yankees were going to let him go 100 and 120 pitches to get a no-hitter? I had absolutely no problem with the way Aaron Boone handled that. If he was if he was at 80 pitches in the 7th ending the 7th inning, then fine. You want to complain about them pulling him fine, but we're talking about 6 innings. I still don't even think I complain about that cuz you figure he's going to need 30. I wouldn't complain either, but I'm saying you want to complain at that point fine. The guy had a great outing through 6 innings. And he and he went toe to toe with a guy who was really brilliant. Clevenger is a good pitcher. What are you pitching to? A low two ERA this year? Two seven six right now. Oh well, a little higher than that, but you know, still, still that's an incredible yeah, ten ERA. Strikeouts. Anybody, ten strikeouts any strikeouts. anything sub three is excellent. Yeah. So you get this great pitching matchup, and then he goes to Batanzas in the seventh. Batanzas, who starting to look a little bit like Batanzas recently, and then he with a short bullpen, which. People didn't realize it because I don't know if they don't pay attention and just want to complain about everything. He didn't have Chad Green, and he didn't have David Robertson on 
on Sunday. Right. So he's got to get outs from other guys. So he saw, hey, Batances looked great. I'm going to try to steal another inning out of him. And it didn't work. And they gave up four runs. And, and, then I, and then I don't know what happened. It was like that. The, after they gave the four runs, it's like the light switch went on inside inside the offense. And they just exploded. They scored seven and, and they won. Here's This has easily been the Yankees' formula of winning right here. Of course, they've been getting great pitching. And that's not going to hold up all year. Not Not to this caliber. But they've been getting great pitching. And... Their their formula of winning all these games has been, yeah, we're going to face some tough pitchers, but as long as we're patient and we can get into these bullpens, there's not many relievers out there who are good enough to stop us. It's been very rare that a guy has, even if he's thrown a great game, because how many of these games have you seen the opposing starter carry a no-hitter into the fourth, the fifth, the sixth inning against the Yankees, and all of a sudden... It's just like a, like I said, like a light switch goes on and they score enough runs to win and then that's it. I'll tell you what, if this team was doing this to start the year, you better believe that Justin Verlander's coming back out for that next inning in, in Houston. But, you know. And you, yeah, you're right. So Verlander's really the only guy that was able, that was able to go deep into a game against them because even if, like we said, a guy is throwing a great game against them, they're still at 95 pitches in the fifth inning where the Yankees are going to get them out in the sixth and then get to these bullpens where outside of a lot of even, and they've gone to a lot of closers in these games. So it's not even like the best of the best in these bullpens have been able to shut the Yankees down. That game Sunday when it was four nothing, that was the first time during this stretch I was truly just, I just resided myself to the fact that they were going to lose that game. And then, the unsung hero of a lot of these comebacks, Neil Walker gets it going, and this team doesn't look back. It's been a single. Last night it was a double. It's been a walk here. But I think in this stretch here, he started five rallies that either led to big innings or the game-winning run. Yeah, it's been impressive. Everybody wanted this guy to run out of town. And you know what? For a while there, it looked like he should have been ran out of town. But you got to understand... These guys are creatures of habit. When they're not reporting to spring training yep. in the middle of February, you know it takes a you know it takes them a while to get going. Sure. So, where did he come in at the end of March? Yeah, he had a very shortened spring. So while he was hitting 180, this was really his spring training. And right. now, it you know he's he's gotten the requisite at bats in, and he's looked a lot better. And the funny part is. Now that he's playing well, we're getting tweets today as we posted the lineup. Why is Neil Walker not in? <laughs> Ten days ago, he would have driven him to the airport to get him out of here. And that's the beauty of baseball. But the one thing with Neil Walker that you can see, and and it's a testament to the kind of player he is, now that he's starting to see a lot more pitches and he's a lot more comfortable at the plate, you don't want to have d- deep at, uh, deep at-bats as a pitcher with Neil Walker. You want to go right after this guy because if he's working these counts – a, he's not going to swing at pitches out of the zone, so you're going to have to go right after him. And the more pitches he's seeing, the better chances he has of of really putting good wood on the ball. And that's not the Neil Walker we saw over the first, uh, you know, first month or so of this season. We're really seeing a guy patient at the plate, and he's only swinging at strikes. And these guys are, you know, he's working three two counts, and he's either walking and getting on base in big spots, or he's. Pulling up with a double like last night. 
So to wrap up Sunday's game, you know, Glaber good, Glaber clutch, the big walk-off home run to give the Yankees the 7-4 to victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we ran a poll on the day off. Because um, you know the Yankees are going to make a splash some point this season to get a big starting pitcher. And they're going to have to trade a premier prospect. You're not going to get away with getting a top-flight pitcher, which is what they need without giving up somebody good. And we discussed it on this show. It look, even though Andujar has been cold right now, but he's still shown enough where you you have faith that he could be a competent sure. major league baseball player. But you get the feeling that he he's his career is path is not with the New York Yankees. You just get that feeling because of Brandon Drury and uh, Cashman, right? I think I think what Andujar is doing right now, and I hope this isn't the case, but I think. Every time he gets a big base hit, every time he's on a hot streak, all he's doing is upping his trade value. And we got a lot of votes on this. I put which would you rather if you had to trade one, who would it be? If you had to. Had to. Not if you want to. If you had to. Glaber or Andujar. And it was overwhelming that Andujar won that poll eighty eight percent that they would trade Andujar. Over and, Torres, yeah. And I just think that Right now, I mean, how could you argue that point? You can't. And and you know what? A lot of people are calling in to the fan that I've been listening to wanting Torres moved up in this lineup. I think for this year... Why mess with I it? I like him down, down at the bottom of the order. Because how many times has the bottom of the order come up in big spots? I like having a guy like him at the bottom of the order. And, you know, Francesa actually backed up my point earlier. I was listening... He said that he he thinks that if the Yankees are going to go get a pitcher, it's going to be a package of Clint Frazier and a pitcher. Well, who's that pitcher going to be? Because you'd figure they want to hold Adams. up. I was going to say because you figure they want to hold on to Justice Sheffield, and Chance Adams got lit up again on Wednesday night. So maybe Domingo Herman's going to up his value a little bit. You know, maybe. And to think he was a throw-in in that in the Nathan Eovaldi trade. Yeah, it's crazy. I bet you the uh, the Marlins wish they had him right now. And you know what? It's we talked to a lot of people over the off season. We've said this in previous episodes who saw the potential in Domingo Herman, something that we haven't seen uh, over the last couple of years. That this guy has what it takes to be a to be a successful big league pitcher, whether that's as a starter or out of the bullpen. And in his first major league start, he showed us that and and more. So. I don't so, know. So the Yankees rise from the dead in the eighth inning. They score seven runs in the uh, last two innings. Again, Cody Allen, a premier uh, uh, closer in this league. And again, maybe a reek of a little bit of desperation that uh, Francona went to him in the eighth. Did not work out. And, uh, you know, Yankees win. Then, you know, we're all joking on Monday you know, do we really want an off day here? Because the team was so hot. They're playing so well. You know, usually an off day, you know, could throw some cold water on that. Every but then team they, needs an off day. They need an off day. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but, but I was the one who said, I said it to both of you. It, it You almost hate that they have off because you want them to just keep rolling. But then here they come out. Tuesday, at, Tuesday evening, the Red Sox come to town. And what did we say last episode? This was the most important series of this stretch. You couldn't have this stretch that they were on and then drop two with three to the Red Sox. And here we are recording before game three of the series and they already have won it. And they're Yeah. 
I mean, the Tuesday night, the Boo Birds, they were they uh, they were silenced. They were, they were put to rest. I think they were put to rest. I don't know if I would be as strong as saying as they were put to rest. Watch, you know. <laughs> I guess you can't put anything past. But uh, John Carlos staying two home runs on a Tuesday night. Uh, Yankees win three to two. Uh, Severino, uh, he was good. I wouldn't say he was great. He threw a lot of pitches. Could only finish six innings. They got they not Bo- his fault, by the way. Boone let him start the seventh, right? And yes. then he couldn't get an out in the seventh. Yes, not his fault. Glaber Torres made an error in the first, which extended that inning. And you know, anytime you got to get four outs in an inning, that's pitches you can't throw later in the game. And then you know, Gary Sanchez, you know, it was ruled a wild pitch. It shouldn't have been. But, you know, you and I, we've defended Gary Sanchez. But, I mean, you're almost. What's get- fair is fair. He needs to make that play. You're almost getting sick of talking about Gary now. So, we're, I'm just going to say this. It's getting tough to defend him right now. Especially when he's hitting under 200 right yeah, now. Yeah. It, listen, it's getting tough to defend his defensive play. And I'm not talking about his arm. I'm talking about blocked balls. I'm talking about looking lost on. Just some regular pitches that he just can't seem to get his glove to. But I'm going to say this. You're going to just have to take the good with the bad with Gary. And I'm not saying that he's not going to get better. But you're going to have to take the good with the bad with this guy. He's still an elite catcher in this game. And there's one thing at this point that bothers me. And it's not the people still complaining about his defense. It's the people who are saying that he is a lazy catcher. Because he is not. This guy works very, very hard to be a better baseball player. And just because he has one aspect of his game that he needs to work on and that he needs to be better at, it doesn't mean that he's not working on it. But this is a long season. And they've said he worked very hard in the offseason to get better. But once you're in season, there's not much time to just keep working at these things. You know, and for the first month or so, he looked like he had made improvements. But I don't know, maybe the last two weeks or so, he's kind of reverted back. But you know what that you know what that is too? That's his below 200 batting average, where he's trying to be in the cage and really work on his swing. He, the, first of all, the, I, again, I'm going to go back to saying I don't care about his average. The guy has the second most RBIs on this team. He has 29 RBIs, so the guy's still producing. But He has nine homers, too, which I believe is also second on the but team. But we can all say that Gary is uh, an offensive catcher, which you don't see much. You saw it in Posada. You're seeing it in Sanchez. So when he's batting below 200, his top priority is is going to be to start hitting the ball better. And that's really what's taking away from him focusing on blocking balls. You know, it's, go ahead, finish. I was just going to say, and that's what I mean by you got to take what you get with with Gary. You got to you got to know that there's going to be some aspects of his game that that he needs to work on, but you have to take the good with the bad right now. You know, it's funny you brought up Posada because I was just thinking about this the other night. As a catcher, Posada was a really good hitter. He was, and he wasn't a bad catcher. But, but if you look at their catching skills, Gary Sanchez is better. He's got a much better arm than Jorge Posada. Maybe Posada was better getting down and blocking balls. But Posada was never the greatest uh, pitch framer. And and here's what I was just going to say. Because Gary actually is a great framer. But here's where Gary bothers me the most. And it's not so much on the, on the pass balls as it is when these guys come in. And granted, 
most of the Yankee pitchers have some nasty off-speed stuff. Curveball, slider, anything. They have some nasty stuff. Sometimes he looks a little lost catching those pitches that if he were to be a little more prepared on those pitches, they'd be called strikes. But instead, he's almost like pulling his glove down when he's catching them. And the umpire's thinking they're a little lower than they actually are. Have you caught that? I mean, he it, it's almost like he doesn't expect as much break as it's going to have. Well, here's what I'm going to say, and get your guys' take on it. I think this whole mound visit thing is messing with him. Yes. Because we saw him go out a lot last year. Mm-hmm. Now, get, granted, he went out too many times last year. Yes. But... He doesn't have that in his back pocket now, right. and he's relying on that on, quarter, wrist, on that yeah. quarterback play sheet that he has on his arm, right? So he's looking at that, and I think you know that quick little look at it, look at that, you know that that's a split second type thing. And when you got to have every millisecond focused on setting up and catching, you know that, that could get him out of position, get his concentration off a little bit. Sure. So I think maybe that could be contributing to some of his issues too. Sure. So where were we on that game now? He uh he had that that pass ball. It extended the inning. We yeah. were talking about Severino really throwing more pitches than he should have had to. Um, uh, yeah, if, if uh those two incidents, the error and then uh he really got in trouble after the pass ball cuz he gave up a run after that. Um it, yeah, I mean that's he really had to labor and really fight through it after the pass ball, but it's not a pass ball. It was, let's call yeah, it what it I was. Mean, it was a wild, wild pitch. pitch. That's what it, the official scorer said. So, a couple runs come in, right? What's the, what's the score at this point? I think they only scored one that inning. But it pulled Seve from the game eventually. Yeah. Because he had thrown too many pitches. And then who'd they go to? Uh, Green at that point? Or did they go to Shreve? Or did they go? No, they went from Severino to Robertson. Yeah, I was going to say Robertson oh, gave Robertson. up the home run. Right, right, right. It was a two-run home run, and he gave no, that it was only a solo. He solo gave that run. look on the home run, like, oh, yeah, I can't believe I just gave that home run up. Yeah. So after the home run in the seventh, the Yankees come immediately right back again. Who who started the rally? Neil Walker. Neil Walker. Uh, Judge comes pinch up. hitter too in that spot too. Neil Walker. Yeah, he did. And again, he you want to you want to talk about Boone? For, uh, Tyler Austin. You want to talk about Boone? He's been not only just pushing the right buttons because everyone's been producing now. He's pushing the right buttons because he has these gut feelings now that Neil Walker is going to come up and, and start a big inning. And he did. So you got you to gotta give credit where it's due. Aaron Boone's been doing a phenomenal job. You know, if you look, people are going to look at Judge's slugging percentage and his home runs right now and they're down. But his average is higher His because... And we keep saying it. He's become a better hitter, and he's become better defensively. He had a he had the he had the go ahead RBI on a single there, right on mm-hmm. a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell Phil Nevin was watching when he sent Glaber Torres to try to score the second run. It was just one of the worst sends you're ever going to see. Yeah, but- because you don't have to do that with this team. You have so many you have so many weapons coming up. In this order, that it, you really don't have to push across another run there. If with two outs, you want to chance it. All right, I could live with it, but not with one out. Mm-hmm. You know, where you got Glaber at second and a sack fly, uh, Glaber at third and a sack fly can score him there. But you know what? Didn't hurt the Yankees. Chapman comes in, and I don't know if he's eating his Wheaties or what, but the guy's all of a sudden found a 102 mile an hour fastball. 
look dominating and then all of a sudden he decides he's going to hit Jackie Bradley Jr. with the fastest recorded pitch in the major leagues this year who Did Jackie you know? Bradley Jr. couldn't hit a hit a watermelon with a rake right Chapman now. Chapman loves to keep us on the edge of our seats. He loves it. But just real quick cuz you you texted this to us after Judge got that hit. That was his latest go ahead hit in a game. Yeah. When he hit that when he hit that ball. Yeah. In the seventh inning, or right, seventh inning. Seventh yeah. inning. That was the latest, hit. the latest go-ahead hit. And if he had more of those last year, he probably would have won MVP because I think that's really what gave it to Altuve was the clutch stats. So you know, here we are now. We go to uh, Wednesday night. It's uh, Tanaka versus Porcello because uh, David Price got scratched from his start with a numbness in his hands. He's pitching Saturday. <laughs> it's uh, funny, didn't and it? And we ran a poll where <laughs> – I was just being funny where I said, is David Price scared or is he legit hurt? And, you know, being that we cater to Yankee fans, they overwhelmingly voted that he was scared. And then yesterday you find out that, oh, he just has mild carpal tunnel syndrome. Which we don't have mild it, carpal tunnel syndrome. Doesn't it? When you hear something like that, doesn't it seem like they were just trying to get him away from the Yankees? I, listen, why did he get pulled from the game after the first or second inning or whatever it was he last had time? Numbness he pitched, in his hand. Numbness in his hand. So he didn't have numbness in his hand all that time throughout, right? But then all of a sudden he's supposed to pitch again, and here comes that numbness. Apparently, what I read today is that he plays too much Fortnite, and then he's not going to play Fortnite <laughs> in the clubhouse anymore. Unreal. So I guess I didn't even know what Fortnite was. My nephew had to tell me yeah, what Fortnite was, and uh, apparently it's such a craze that it causes major league pitchers to I miss guess starts so. now, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So Porcello Porcello pitched last mm-hmm. night, and Tanaka pitched Tanaka, a good game. You know what? Tanaka's final stat line was what five and a third, four runs allowed. Yes, you're not gonna. Be excited over that. But I texted you guys and I said, I'm impressed by that start. Because how many times in Tanaka's career have we seen him not with his best stuff and get obliterated where the game is over in the second inning? And he battled and he kept his team in the game last night. I said it a million times. My biggest thing with Tanaka is he could be dominant when he's on. But when he's off, man... He hasn't really given this team too many opportunities to win when he doesn't have his good stuff. And he labored all night. He really did. But you know what? He kept his team in the game. And that's really all you have to ask out of your starting pitching. Yeah. Last night is not a game you'd put in the Masahiro Tanaka highlight reel. But you know what? I I would be if I was Aaron Boone, I'd be proud of him because of what we said. There's been too many times that we've seen Tanaka with his lesser stuff get destroyed and the Yankees are down eight nothing in the second inning. But last night he fought and he kept the team in the ball game. And you know what? That's sometimes like you said, that's all you can ask out of your pitcher is to go into the sixth, seventh inning what you give your team a chance to, to win. And I'll say this to start, you know, breaking down the game a little bit. Driving around yesterday, who was the whipping boy? Because it doesn't matter how good this team plays. It doesn't matter how many games they win in a row. Somebody's got to be the whipping boy. And who got the whip yesterday? Shreve. Brett Gardner. Oh, right. He's getting uh-huh. killed 
on social media, on the radio. He's hitting 185 or whatever the hell it was. He He's old. He's washed up. The game has passed him by. The Yankees got to platoon him. or, or Bart do, Scott had him getting traded. Mm-hmm. Or what, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't even want – when we're talking baseball, don't even mention Bart Scott to me because I said this to you guys. He should just when, – when CMB talks – baseball he needs to leave the room and i'll say this uh and i'll say this too because i'm gonna again defend aaron boone here brett gardner was so cold it was probably the coldest we've seen him oh absolutely and aaron boone went out there and he said he's still our guy and he kept putting him in this lineup because he knew that eventually he was going to break through and who better to break through last night than Brett Gardner. He had what three three extra base hits last night. He, he had got five of a fourth. He had five all all year yeah. up to that point. Yeah. So I guess Gardner was listening to the radio. He might have had his Twitter feed on because he came out. Boom! Leadoff double. Judge singles him in right away like that. Click one nothing Yanks. You know and that. But you know what? It was a back and forth game. It was a typical Red Sox Yankees game where you know you score a few, they score a few, and it's just grinding at bats and grinding at bats and major league baseball wants to speed up pace to play right that's their big thing keep games around two and a half hours it is literally impossible for the yankees and red sox to play a game because even tuesday night that game was three to two there's not a lot of base runners but what time did that game get over 10 to 11 tuesday night i can actually tell you the exact time it was this almost the seventh inning was almost over and it was only like 20 after nine and I thought to myself, wow, a quick Yankees-Red uh, Sox game, huh? Yeah, right. Nope. <laughs> so Tanaka gets relieved, right, of that game. Yeah. And Shreve comes in. No. Who? No, it was Green. Green came Green, into it. Right, yeah. because I tweeted, Green really hasn't been as sharp this year, but you made a great, great point. He isn't relying on his fastball enough like he used to. Because, yeah, his curveball can be great, but we've seen it. It's not great. It's so shitty that you don't even know what it is. It's a slider, actually. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) It's it's not half as good unless he's setting it up with his fastball. What uh, Jason Shreve, we'll get to him, too, in a second. What uh, Chad Green needs to do is... Look, that fastball was devastating last year. And we've seen Mariano Rivera dominate the league with one pitch, so... As a short reliever, you can do it. And I'm not saying don't throw your slider, but don't throw your slider for strikes. Don't throw your stri- uh, your your slider as a pitch that as a pitch that you need to pitch with. No, because he's hanging it. And we see. And what happened? You know, he gets out of the mess in uh, in the sixth. Boone sends him out for the seventh. No problem there, right? You got to extend some of these guys if you're going to be in the pen in the sixth inning every night. And what happens? He puts it out on a clothesline for Hanley Ramirez, and Hanley Ramirez hits it 400 and something feet. And then Hanley Ramirez takes maybe that game would have ended at 10:30 if Hanley. But he Ramirez, took 30 minutes yeah, to round the base. Yeah, really. And really, I mean, you want to talk about a hero in that game? And then you're thinking, all right, you know what? Red Sox get the big hit in the seventh. All right, it, the streak ends here. <laughs> can they really do this again? Yes, they uh, can. And then all of a sudden. Who starts to rally in the eighth? I want to hear. Come on, I put my I put my ear. <laughs> Neil up <to> Walker, <laughs> but I'm gonna say this before we even get into that, and just real oh yes, quick. go ahead. In the top of the eighth, we need to because 
Shreve got himself into trouble. He he did have a big strikeout, but then they go to Jonathan Holder with one out. Runners on second and third. And at this point, against this type of team that they're facing, you just have to think to yourself, the Red Sox are definitely going to get one more, if not two more. When they were set, it was second and third, nobody out, right? And yeah, then Shreve, Shreve got, the got a big strikeout. Then think, he, there's no way you're not in your head. You're not thinking they're scoring at least those two runs there. So then he goes to Holder, and I believe Holder got an out. Then right? he got the first one was a strikeout. And then what does Boone do? Boone comes out and he signals four for Mookie Betts, and he loads the bases again. Right? He loads the bases just like he did in Toronto, and a guy who has been notorious. For killing this team, especially in New York. Benintendi had a home run earlier in the game. Benintendi comes up and you're just praying as someone who supports Boone that he doesn't doesn't do something massive here. Okay. You're right. And you know what? Holder buckled down and he gets that out. And the second he records that out in your head, you go, you know what? This team might do it again. They might. I don't know if they're going to, but they might. And there you go. So I, t- I tweeted that Neil Walker has the stage set to yet again start another late late in the game rally. And what does he do? Lead off double. Lead off double. I mean, they wanted to give – look, I don't want – they won. I don't want to nitpick every little thing, but they were giving Andujar credit for advancing the runner there. That was a bad at bat by Andujar. It was a good pitch to hit that he because had. Because he's 2-0. Oh, it. It's 2-0, and he got a hanging slider, and they hit a meek ground ball to the right side. You know what? I understand small ball moved the runner over, but that's a damage pitch. Right. And then what happens? Glaber gets respect. Yeah. <laughs> they walk Glaber Torres, man. And you know what? That wasn't, oh, he lost command of the strike zone. No, they were they were kind of pitching around Glaber a little bit. And then... Up steps Brett Gardner. And the guardy party. And he steps up and he goes, you know what? You want to talk about me all day? You want to you want to say that I'm getting old and I can't produce anymore? I'll, I'll put an end to that right now. And he laces a ball to the warning track. And we talked about this before we started recording. Torres had an idea of where the where the outfield was playing. That off the crack of the bat, he must have been going because he scores from first. Guardy pulls up with a triple, and all of a sudden the Yankees have a one-run lead. I mean, Gardner. I don't know. If we, hopefully, it's a start of a hot streak because you know what? I, mean, I, I give the guy credit when we recorded on Saturday. He had starting to show a little life. He had a couple RBIs in back-to-back games, and then you know last night he had a really big game. So you know. At the top of that lineup, you know, when Brett Gardner goes on, you see, when gets on, you see how this offense just clicks at a different level. When yep. And you know what? Because Chapman, yes, he's dominant, but with one run lead, you still hold your breath. Judge gets up. He he laces one to center field where Jackie was, Bradley Jr. That did. was Mookie Betts last night. In center? Yeah. Sorry. Mookie Betts just kind of looks and turns and, I blink. and doesn't move. And at that moment in time, you saw the Red Sox deflated. Alex Cora sat on the bench. He was up on the top top rail all night. 
And Mookie Betts just turned and watched that ball clear the wall. And every single player on that team must have been thinking this this Yankee team is scary. And I'll say this, that even though when the Yankees were 9-9 nine and nine and they were floundering a little bit and the Red Sox were off on a hot streak, you never saw Aaron Boone sweat under nope. pressure. Alex Cora sweat under pressure last night. He was in desperation mode when he went to Craig Kimbrell with one out in the eighth yep. inning last night. And Gardy, he missed the, the pitch before he hit the triple. He missed the pitch that he should have put in the seats. Yep. And that, and that, to me, more than anything, is a good sign to me that he might be turning the corner because you usually don't make good on it after you miss your pitch, and he did. And then Judge, I mean, that ball had no business getting out of here last night. Aaron Judge is probably the only guy in yep. Major League Baseball that could hit that. That was that ball was not even twenty feet off the ground. <laughs> and then it's nine six, and Chapman comes out, closes the door, and this team. Has now won eight in a row again. I don't know if you caught it. The AL East and atop Major League Baseball. When Judge rounded the bases and he came home, and the way they were celebrating, didn't that seem like October baseball? It did because that's what that's what this stretch has been. I mean, we we said it. uh, Most of these teams they faced, they're they're very likely to to possibly face in October. How about Chapman, though, this year? 17 innings pitched, 34 strikeouts. That's Unreal. two an inning. Unreal. See, we don't appreciate Chapman as much as we probably should because he makes you sweat after 20 years of watching Rivera where it was, okay, Right. he came in the game, you could go to bed. <laughs> right. And I'll say this, and I'll uh, I'll end our little recap on this. The Yankees started the year playing 500 baseball through their first 18 games. And in no way, shape, or form could anyone sit here and say that they were clicking, that they were playing good baseball. When a team can play their worst and still win as many games as they lose, that's a good baseball team. And then when they do click and they do what they've been doing, that is what makes a powerhouse. This team is scary. And I really, really believe that, no, they're not going to keep this type of stretch all year round, but it's going to be very, very difficult to knock this team down down a peg. And it's going to be difficult for the Red Sox to keep up with them this year. Well, look at it like this. What impresses you the most about this stretch, it started against the Blue Jays, who are a division rival and always play the Yankees tough. Then they move on to Minnesota. And you want to poo-poo Minnesota, that's fine because the Yankees always beat them. But that was a playoff team last year. And they had expectations. They haven't played up to it, but they have expectations sure. to be a good team this year. Then you go to Houston, where the Yankees just don't score. The defending World Series champions, they win three out of four. Come home. No, that, before that, and the Angels. They sweep the Angels, who, again, a place the Yankees historically never play well. And the Angels, who have a good ball club and were playing good baseball up to that point, sweep. Again, Houston, three out of four. That was a big statement to go down there, take three out of four from Houston. Come home, Cleveland, another playoff team, another really good team, sweep. And here we go, uh, Boston, the team that they have to be better than because you cannot be the wild card this year. Here we are. About ready to wrap up episode 43, minutes before first pitch of game three. They already won the series. So, I mean, 
that's what's really impressing you. They're not doing this against the Rays, the Orioles, the Kansas City Royals, the White Sox. These are premier teams in the American League they're doing this against. And just to just to piggyback off of that before we wrap up, this team was what, seven games in the lost column? Seven and a half. Yeah, seven. I, was it, it yeah, was either, it was seven. I think it was seven games out in the lost column. And going into this stretch, notoriously bad in, in Anaheim. Notoriously bad over the last couple of years in Houston, they could have easily come back home with a very, very large hole to dig themselves out of. Easily. Even if they played over 500, they still could have easily came back with a tough deficit. You're in a stretch playing the best teams in the league. There's no other way to say it than they are playing the best teams I never in the league. Doubted and they're 17-1. I never doubted that this team could still be on top of this division at some point in the year. But on May 9th, now May 10th, being solely in first place, I would have never thought they'd come back out of that hole that quickly. Never. Uh, yeah, just to add to what Christian was saying about how, you know, the strength of schedule this year, the Yankees last night ended their streak of eight straight games in which they beat a first-place team. Well, because they're in first place. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so tonight we got uh, Rodriguez. Against Sabathia. Against Sabathia. You got you to gotta be hopeful. My prediction on the game, and I'm not just saying this because the team's hot, I think the Yankees uh, – I think the Yankees blow them out tonight. And they need a blowout win because they played a lot of close games in this stretch. And, you know, give Chapman the night off. Give Robertson the night off. Give Green the night off. Let CeCe go six or seven, do his thing, and have enough runs where you can get through maybe dusting off A.J. Cole or David Hale tonight. I say Yankees win 8-2, and I think it's I think it's 8 nothing throughout most of the game. I think the two runs the Red Sox will score will be late in the game. Hey, when you uh when you wake up tomorrow morning and you download this pod, you know, hopefully Chris is right, but you know, we keep saying this because every time we've been recording the last 2 weeks, they've been winning and we say even if they lose tonight, it's still a good <laughs> or even if they lose tonight, it's I mean, it doesn't it doesn't take away from the incredible incredible baseball that they played. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's I mean, let's do it. Let's win again. Let's keep winning. It's it it is. It's truly incredible that at nine and nine, everybody was off the ship, and here we are. Not even a month later, they're in first place. Now, again, like you said, they're not going to sustain this all year. You can't expect them to to every eighteen games win seventeen <laughs> of them. But you know what? They did it. They came back, and now you just just continue to build upon upon this stretch here. You're scared to play the Yankees right now. All right, so I, I think we, we're pretty good on this episode, right? I'm, I'm good. We'll I've be, gotten it all out. We'll be back uh, Saturday, Saturday evening because Sunday's Mother's Day. So we'll be back to record Saturday evening for our Monday pod. Um, so we'll get we'll get to talk about the final game of the Red Sox series and the openers, uh, the opening two games against the A's, which, you know, baseball be, being baseball, the Yankees could easily lose <laughs> yes. those two games. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, it's it's been an incredible stretch. If the Yankees win tonight, that'll be two nine-game winning streaks this year. And the 98 team had three of those such streaks. So so it's looking pretty good. All right. So that'll wrap up episode 43 of the NYY Sports Talk podcast. As always, head to nyysportstalk.com. Go to our shop tab. 
Definitely check out our fundraising event for Mallory's Army and any uh, any other goodies that you might want to purchase there. NYYST20 at checkout will save you 20% on any regular uh, merchandise uh, and all our game recaps and uh, any other columns that might be up there. Follow Ryan, who we're trying to get up to 100 followers. Let's do it. Yeah, I noticed that uh, last night I got a big increase. <laughs> Oh, we promised people we'd give them shit if you followed yeah. you. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, follow Ryan at StackGuyRye underscore NYYST. Follow Chris at ChrisJr underscore NYYST. Uh, you should be following me because I tell you at the beginning of every show, Christian underscore NYYST. The pod at NYYST Podcast. The main account, NYY Sports Talk. I mean... It's a good time to be a Yankee fan. Just hope that we can keep this going just a little bit longer before they come back down to earth. Let's do it. All right. So, Ryan, you want to say anything? How about Stanton so far this season against the Red Sox? 10 for 19, two home runs, seven RBIs, an OPS of 1.644. My man. So, I mean, hey, you know what? five home runs. (laughs) You know what? Just the last thing we'll say, if you're going to suck against the rest of the league, you if you're a Yankee, you better Sox. hit against, hit the, against Red the Red Sox and hit against Dallas Keuchel, and that's he's it. done that this year. Yeah, and so that I, hey, you know what? I'll take it. All right, Chris. I kinda like you. Say goodbye. Hey!